Hello, everyone. Welcome to Coffee with Convery. I'm your host, Brian Convery. On today's career and talk, my guest is Jeremy Sewell. Jeremy is an award-winning chef and restaurateur based in Boston and two-time James Beard Award nominee. Trained at the Culinary Institute of America, he has cooked in kitchens around the globe, focusing on seasonal ingredients and his New England food heritage. His restaurants, Lineage, Island Creek, Oyster Bar, and Row 34 have received accolades from New York Times, Esquire Gourmet, and the, Go and the Boston Globe, among others. Jeremy and I both grew up in the Hudson River Valley, and our moms had an antique business together in Red Hook, New York, for a number of years. Jeremy may have been born in upstate New York, but he's had the heart of a true New Englander since spending summers in Maine as a child. There, he and his family feasted on lobsters, clams, and other New England specialties. The water has played a large role in his lineage. Fishing has been a Sewell family livelihood for generations. Today, Jeremy sources lobsters for all of his restaurants from his cousin, Mark Sewell, who captains his 38-foot book, book, Boat, out of York Harbor, Maine. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you, excited to learn a little bit about your background and as we're getting started to share some of your experiences and in life and navigation. So just a couple of rapid fire questions. What are your preferred pronouns? Uh, he, him. He, him. Awesome. Texting or talking? Talking. Talking. Social time, alone time? Uh, alone time. That's nice. Do you have a favorite smell? I, I I don't. I think seasonally I like different things. You know, in the summer, fresh cut grass. In the winter, braising meat. Just kind of depends. Nice. Yeah, hey, you can get the, the vibe of those. Um, best compliment you've ever received? Oh, um, I you know, I I don't know. I think my dad, you know, the little compliments I got from my dad as an adult uh, were the best I got. That's he nice. was always always flattering. Yeah, those are meaningful moments, right? That's nice. Um, do you have a go-to snack? Uh, popcorn. Big popcorn fan. Popcorn. Love it. Do you learn best by watching or by doing? By doing. Always better with the hands-on for me. Nice. Did you have a favorite subject in school? <laughs> no. I... I <laughs> I mean, right, you know, uh, traditional school, though, culinary school, I had lots of favorite subjects. Well, what, just curious, in the culinary side, what, what were some of the subjects that were intriguing? Well, I mean, all of it was interesting because you were, I was interested in it, but I, obviously, the, you know, I would say the seafood class was my favorite. Nice. Um, we all had our first starts. What was your very first job? My first job was my parents owned a little restaurant at an airport in uh, Millbrook or in Unionvale, New York, near Millbrook. And uh, I, it was only open on the weekends and I washed dishes when I was a kid. That was my kind of like my first job. I can't tell you how many guests I've had on here have washed dishes, cleaned, cleaned pots and pans. Me too. I cleaned pots at the Elks Club. That was my first job. It's so. great. It's a great place to start. Yeah, you learn, right? You make your own money. Um, describe yourself in one word. Lucky. Lucky, that's awesome. All right, so, you know, you attended the Colony Institute of America in New York, beginning your professional career in Maine at the AAA Five Diamond White Barn Inn, 
seeking adventure, moving to Europe, where he worked for the French restaurateur Albert Rowe in London and Amsterdam. I'm sure I didn't pronounce that right. Then he returned to Boston to accept a position at the famed Back Bay Institution. How do I say that? Les 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 Tell me, uh, I don't have great, uh, sure. Uh, but when, where you met your charming and beautiful pastry chef, now wife, Lisa, your journey is like a book in itself. Can you tell us and tell the view- listeners a little bit about your journey and share more with our listeners? Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it, it definitely looking back, I, I feel like I, I made a lot of just, you know, I just kind of follow my instincts. There was, you know, in hindsight, there were good decisions, but I think there was a little luck in there. I, you know, and just sometimes convenience, but, you know, I was pretty focused and I, you know, as a young man and figuring out this is the career that I wanted to do and going to culinary school, which, you know, at the time I went to culinary school, it's a very well-regarded at the time and still is culinary school, but, you know, it was basically a vocational school when I, when I went there, there was, it was a two-year program. There was no bachelor's degree. There was no, you know, master's program. It was, you know, you went there to learn how to cook. And um, that's what I did. I, I I didn't think I was not a traditional student. A four-year college was not going to be the thing for me. And uh, I fell in love with food. So, you know, got to go to culinary school, which was great. And then from there, just took jobs that I was excited about. Got to move to Maine. That's where my family's from. I couldn't wait to get up there. I found... Um, a chef that I worked for up there was a huge influence on me and guided me in the right direction and sent, sent me to Europe, helped me get back to Boston and find a good job at a good restaurant there. And, uh, you know, and I just, you know, I, I, I did what I loved and I didn't follow or chase money. I didn't, I just looked for great opportunity and things I wanted to do when I was young and it, and it was very fortunate and kind of led where it did. Really, really interesting insights and, you know, listening to you about, um, even the mentorship that went along with it, um, which is really, really has been impactful on your life as well, hasn't it? Yeah, I think we all, everybody needs somebody to coach them in the right direction. I, you know, I, after I graduated culinary school, I, uh, stayed on for a year. I did what they called a fellowship at the time where I, I worked in the fish kitchen and I worked in a refrigerated room that was, you know, 10 by 20 and, and, uh, you know, I had five or six students and all we did was cut fish for the whole school. So if there was a different, different classes had different cuts of fish that they needed for their curriculum that day, and we would cut all the fish and deliver it. And you worked in this cold room and, um, you know, was surrounded by seafood all day and fish. And, you know, I used to have to change my clothes in the garage before I came in the house because you always smelled like fish. But, you know, that's still my favorite job I've ever had. I loved it. And, and the guy I worked for at that time was you know, really, I was a young man, I was 19 or 20 when he gave me that spot and took a chance on me and was a, his name was Chef Clark. And he really, and he's still a, a dear friend to this day. And probably until I was 40, didn't do anything without talking to him first in my career. Uh, and then I got, and I got to go to Maine and I met another uh, chef. His name was Gethin Thomas, who is still a dear friend who, you know, just saw some ability in me and just really pushed me to, you know, to push myself. And, you know, very fortunate to have those people, you know, kind of coach you and we all need those people in life and, and you need people to tell you you're an idiot sometimes too. I think those people are just <laughs> as important as people to tell you you're great, you know? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, um, 
Yeah, because a lot of the young people listening are, you know, students either graduating high school, going to post-secondary or in school and trying to figure things out. And I can't, I can't stress enough to the audience how much mentorship and and good advice really helps. And sometimes you need, you know, even myself, I've had a few kicks, kicks in the pants to get me going in a different direction. And sometimes you need those wake up calls. So it's it's interesting how important that is in all areas of, of people's careers and life as well. So, no, thank you for sharing that. Um, I know you were in San Francisco uh, where you spent five years as the chef of the Lark Creek Inn in Larkspur, California as you were so very gracious to have us uh, visit you. And my mom still talks about the tour of your kitchen, but you were also <laughs> named one of the five chefs in the country countries nominated as a rising chef uh, by the James Beard Foundation in 2000. And later you were nominated for the James Beard Award for American Cooking. Um, wow, it seems like that's the Oscars for movie star, like stars, but what, what did it feel like to be recognized for what really is your passion and your hard work? You know, uh, I think the, it was amazing. I mean, really, honestly, it, the, you know, the first one in, in California was a long time ago. I was a young man and, and it was, it was just really exciting to be acknowledged for your effort and, and anyone in any industry. It's, it's, it's always really great. You know, anyone should be grateful to be acknowledged for their hard work and their effort. And, and that certainly was that. I think the best thing, you know, to happen to me was I, you know, when I was 20 years old and get nominated for that award is I, I didn't win. And I'm at the time you're, you're disappointed. I was one of five nominees in the country and that's an amazing accomplishment. And um, I don't even remember who did win at this point, but you know, I think that you have to look at these things in a, in a certain lens of their moments, you know, in a career, but you have to have an entire career and, you're not defined by, you know, a win or a loss or an award. You, you know, what I've, the career I've chosen is I consider it a craft and a, and a craft is something that, you know, you have the ability to get better at through your entire life and work on different skills within that craft. And, you know, that motivated me to work hard and push myself. And, um, but, you know, it was 15, 16 years later before I was nominated again. And I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad it was, you know, I, I think if you can, if I could look at it and say, wow, I was acknowledged early in my career and, and by this one group and acknowledged later in my career by that same group, you know, for two different things. I, I think that's that's meaningful in the sense that I've worked really hard and, and you know, tried to stay relevant and focused and motivated in my industry for that length of time. So, you know, so grateful for those moments of recognition, but I don't think that that's, you know, it's not why I get out of bed. That's not why yeah. anybody should get out of bed in this industry. Um, but it's it's just, yeah, of course, it's a little pat on the back or a shot in the arm and, you know, something to be proud of. And um, so it's, yeah, those are, those are great things, but there's a long gap between those and a lot of hard work that goes into it. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And um, you're right. Having recognition and, and seeing what you're doing, but also doing your passion is, is, is really so important. And, I know we have your New England kitchen um, on our book, on our bookshelf in our kitchen in Toronto. It's so beautifully designed and wonderful photography and more than a hundred recipes. Um, but I might ask you, like, how does a recipe make it into your books? And secondary, what is your favorite recipe to make, serve, and eat? <laughs> uh, uh, well, one, how it makes it. So, you know, the, 
the book is was really versions of food that I made in the restaurants that I was taking those recipes and trying to apply them in a way that people could make those at home. Um, and, you know, so it was stuff that, you know, I felt really comfortable with. It was focused on New England and, and you know, some classic New England recipes or my versions of those. And you just try to do a kind of a wide, wide, you know, variety of different recipes to really give people opportunities to, you know, try different things that appeal to them. Not everybody loves to cook crab cakes. Not everybody loves to cook pork, but, you know, hopefully there's things in there that you do love to cook. So it's just really, you know, what could I come up with that I felt like I could translate a recipe where, you, you know, the home cook could be successful cooking this. Um, so that's kind of what kind of goes into the recipes and, and how you end up there. And um, my favorites, oh, I, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, it's, I think as we get older and, you know, I, I have, you know, three kids who are, you know, kind of launched in my daughter's 11, still home. And, you know, you, you, your cooking changes. You start to, as you get older and you're cooking more for a family than you are at home and, you know, your kids are your biggest critics of like, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I've been challenged by my son many times. Like I'd be making French toast and be like, I don't think you know what you're doing, dad. That's not how mom does it. <laughs> and, and I'm like, son, do you know how we paid for the sneakers by me cooking? And uh, <laughs> so I think I know how to make French toast. So it's, you know, it's, you know, that that's part of the fun of it is, is discovering new things and, and having different audiences to cook for and, and discovering new food and ways to do it along the way. You know, it's, it's food never ends, you know, it's, you know, it's something you can explore endlessly. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I love, I love cooking. It puts me at ease at the end of the day, just to relax and put a good meal together. But there has to be one thing you love to eat though. Isn't there one recipe or one, I guess you get so much choice, but don't you have a favorite? No, I mean, it's, it's, (laughs) it's, Eating for me is, is very, very seasonal. Like in the summertime, like what's better than, you know, corn right from a farm stand, you know, corn on the cob, yeah, and, you know, yeah. rolled in butter. Like we were kids eating outside, you know, like that is, I mean, there's nothing better than that in the moment when the corn's perfect or this time of year, like, you know, a really hearty stew or, you know, a braised lamb shank with, you know, potato puree and roasted mushrooms, like, eating is just, you know, you, you, you tend to crave different things at different times in the spring, it's, you know, asparagus and peas and, you know, in the fall, like you can't wait for those first, you know, Brussels sprouts and squash. And so for me, it's just like, I, you know, look ahead to those seasons and I crave those foods, you know, that makes you always sense. want what you don't have. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Cause even when you think of like farm to table and you know, eating from the land of what's available then, that's when it's the freshest, right? So now it makes a lot of sense. Um, so uh, also you appeared on PBS's hit show, Simply Ming, Bravo's Top Chef, and the Food Network beat Bobby Flay. What was it like? How was it meeting Bobby Flay? It was, it's great. I, I mean, it's just so, sh- I'm really, again, like I, when I say <laughs> I, I, I'm lucky, I'm very lucky. I mean, you know, the, those, opportunities have have come to me and i i think that's been exciting to be able to do those things um you know ming's a friend and just i mean just an absolute icon in the industry and probably one of my 
you know, favorite TV chefs of all time is Ming Tsai, just like he's such a personality. You know, Bobby Flay has just created this amazing show that has this kind of like amazing following and, and people love it. And he was, you know, he was a really gracious host, just putting us at ease when we we're on the set. And, you know, it's, but it's for real. I mean, those shows are for real. Like, man, you got to, you know, they're like, you have 20 minutes to make a dish and you have 20 minutes to make a dish. That clock is running. So, you know, it's, it's you exciting. You got to step it up, I guess, right? Oh, you know, man. Yeah. <laughs> there's not multiple takes, I guess. You got to do it. No, it's, it it's a young, young man's game. That's for sure. <laughs> I love that. Well, again, you're so humble with all this stuff, but it's so cool when you, you know, people know the James Beard Foundation. People know who Bobby Flay is. I mean, these are some people that people watch on TV and are just in awe. And it's so cool that you've met some of these individuals and, uh, and they're human yeah, at the think, core, right? So. Yeah, I think they would say the same thing. I mean, I, you know, I, I, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, you know, be friends with Jacques Pepin uh, at this point in my life, and he's, you know, been really gracious with his time with me and gracious with his advice with me, and he is certainly a living legend. But there's just a guy at his core who loves food, and when we're sitting there, you know, shucking oysters and eating caviar and talking about food like that's a guy who is in his element that's what he wants to be doing and having a great glass of wine and you know and I just think that's just such a unique industry that you know when you get those people together you know the the common thread is well we love what we do we love food we love those moments that share food with people and those experiences and it's pretty remarkable yeah it, it, it truly is um I was telling you earlier, like the listeners for this show are, are young people or people looking for a career change or, you know, just trying to think about things differently, right? Not this narrow path of success, but really thinking broader and, and opening that conversation up. And so when I look at, you know, the audience on this podcast, um, you know, some of them, you know, might even want to listen, thinking about pursuing the culinary arts or a career as perhaps a chef. What what kind of advice would you give to someone who's kind of listening to this today and wants to think about maybe taking a page out of your book and, and doing something along the lines of becoming a chef? Yeah, I think it's, it's something that is really interesting uh, because it's an industry that is changing and the opportunities are different. So it's, you know, when I when I started, it was like, well, you went to school to learn to cook and you worked in restaurants or hotels and, you know, you you gained skills and, you know, you just kind of slowly climbed the ladder. And that is still a, certainly a path. And it's a great one. But, you know, the industry is is different now. There's opportunities to learn about food writing or food styling or food photography and, mm. um, you know, lots of different um you know, opportunities within all of those things. So I, I think, you know, if you have an interest in food or have an interest in uh, cooking or, you know, like just explore it, like go in there and, and see what those opportunities are, what interests you and, um, and go from there. I mean, you know, the one thing I would say is like, you know, become knowledgeable about your subject of whatever you're going to do, because, you know, you want to, you want to know what you're talking about. I think credibility in this industry is important. Knowing, understanding the process, understanding food, and 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 all those things is is important. You know to to keep growing and keep learning. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And do you 
um, I guess the culinary specifically that it's there in Hyde Park, New York. There's one else in California, correct? Um, yeah, they have a they have a campus in Texas and in Singapore as well. So they they definitely branched out a bit. And and really the the you know the Hyde Park, New York is the original and still I think the probably the biggest and the and the most you know the most opportunity there. But what is available there and the resources they have are just you know the food science classes, the you know beverage classes. I mean just. They brew beer on campus. You can learn about that. Like, I mean, it's just really amazing the resources they have now and their ability to, you know, spread out in this industry in very different ways. It's amazing. Yeah. And sorry to linger on this one a lot because it's it's super interesting to me because um, this whole like food science and different things when you're you're in high school, people don't talk about this stuff. Right. Like it's 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 the typical things and so when you start to see and you branch out and the things you're sharing here i think are super interesting because even when i started working for dan and yogurt and i found out there was flavorists that made flavors out of natural ingredients that went into the yogurt <laughs> like that's a yeah. job right and that's I thought, a job why yeah. don't we learn of this when we're younger or know about it it's just the typical standard you almost want to say typical standard jobs of lawyer, doctor, nurse, whatever, which are good jobs and we need them. But for someone who wants to pursue something different, they're explore, I guess, is the message. Yeah, 100%. And I think that, you know, if you love food, well, let me back up a little bit. The cooking channel and all these cooking shows have, have been great in some ways of ex- exposing the industry to people in uh, and generationally like people love the cooking shows and all that but that's not really the restaurant industry you know so it's it, there's you know if your goal is to go to culinary school to be on tv shows well you're probably going to be disappointed you know i mean it's it is an amazing industry but that is such a small sliver of what happens in our industry um you know i just i i people sometimes over romanticize it it's hard cooking's hard the food industry is hard but within that industry there's you know, you don't have to be um, a cook. There's lots of things to do with food that that are interesting, and and um, people have continued to discover new stuff all the time. So, you know, yeah, keep your toe in and see where it brings you. That's a good point because even with the you know when you start talking about that, it's sort of like the Hollywood version of TV and the Food Networks and the home shows and all that stuff that comes together, which is interesting and informative, but there's that's not the day-to-day life of a chef necessarily and and what goes on um which is interesting to hear and i wonder if you mind um i know your wife lisa is a pastry chef right how did she get into that space just curious yeah you know she went to she went to culinary school as well she went to johnson and wales um okay you know years ago and then she went for culinary not for baking pastry but you know, she she was working in Nantucket and the pastry chef went out on maternity leave and she took over and just fell into pastry that way. And that's how we met. She was the pastry chef at Bless uh, by A in Boston. Um, that's how we met many, many years ago. I love that story. That is so cool. Um, OK, so this is the part of the podcast. I always want to ask guests if they're comfortable to share maybe some sort of challenge or things that you've overcome and, and what lessons you learned, because you know, all of us have our challenges in life and, and sometimes they're, it seemed like, oh, I'm the only one going through this or what have you, but is there anything like going through your career and or um, 
you know, personal, professional life of something that you were able to overcome and, and what lessons did you learn from it? Yeah, I mean, I, failure is a really, really valuable tool. I mean, I, I think that if you go through your life being afraid to fail, I think that you lose out on opportunity and, and you know, lose out on potential success. So, you know, I the, one of the stories that always sticks out to me in my life that I'm always grateful for is I opened my own little restaurant lineage in, um, you know, Brookline, you know, 2006. Uh, and it was, you know, it's your dream of every young culinary person. It's like it was a 65 seat restaurant. My wife and I owned it was this little place and it was, you know, we printed the menu every day and shopped at farmers markets and it was all this. And, and you know, I was a really good uh, chef and I was, you know, good at, you know, running kitchens, but I didn't know how to run a business necessarily. So, you know, year two, we, we almost lost it. I mean, we were really close to financial failure and, um, you know, that moment of walking right up to the edge and then being able to pull it back was, you know, easily the most valuable lesson mm -hmm. I've ever had. I mean, I literally went out it, you know, I, I was at the crossroads of like, do I stop the bleeding and just close this and lick my wounds and, go on with life or do I keep going? And I went out and took a bunch of kind of bunch of credit cards that took cash advances against them and, you know, put some money in the business and kept going. And that's, that's a horrible advice to people. Uh, but it was what I did at the time and grateful. I mean, just grateful that I had that moment um, of just almost complete disaster and, and just having to, you know, live through that has made me a much better you know, business owner, much better chef, much better human to understand that, you know, it's nothing's guaranteed and we got to work for it. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's like that, that experience. I, and I also like that you capitalize on failures because I think too often we just focus on all of our cool successes and, you know, not everything is a success every day. And for young people coming up and trying to figure out what they're doing, like, you know, skin your knee, figure it out, learn from it. It's, it's how we all you know, we've all had different opportunities where we've been able to do that. So no, thanks. It's so important to, to recognize those opportunities as well and, and what you've learned. So thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. No worries. My pleasure. <clears throat> Are you so thinking, um, wow, we're already getting close to the end here, but um, thinking about this podcast some of the information you've shared, it's been chock full of insights and ideas. And I think there's a lot of lessons here that young people can think about and, and take forward with their own life. Is there anything that you might want to talk about just thinking about the audience and any final thoughts that you'd want to leave people with? Well, that's, that's a, that's a great question. That's a big one. You know, I, I don't know. I think it's, you know, it, it, small bite, you know, a little bit at a time. I don't think people can, you know, understand what the goal is and for whatever, whatever your goal is and, and just small steps working towards it. And, and ultimately the pathway change and don't be afraid of that for people. I think that that's okay. And, um, you know, I just think that people put too much pressure on themselves to get out in the world and, and be successful. And, um, you know, you're talking to a guy that worked all I did in my, you know, twenties and thirties and into my forties was work extremely hard. All I did was work. I just wanted to get ahead and, you know, outwork everybody. And, you know, that was a, that was a, you know, a, 
a little bit of a badge of honor for me is just I could outwork anybody and I worked all the time and I was first guy there, last guy to leave. And I'm, and I'm glad for that. I was able to, you know, carve out a great uh, career by doing that. But, you know, I think that looking back, I think that I probably would have changed a little bit. Um, spent a little more time with my kids when they were younger, spent a little more time enjoying, you know, taking care of myself and, and spending time with my wife, you know, more than, and I think I could have accomplished the same thing. So, you know, it's, it's a journey, you know, it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a race, whatever cliche you want to use is it's kind of true. So just small steps, small bites, a little bit at a time and, and just try to figure out where you want to go. And, and when you get there, that changes too. I, I think that, you know, your priorities will change throughout your life and um, you know, success isn't, always measured by dollars or titles or anything like that. It's just, you know, are you getting out of it what you want and are you getting out of it what you put in? But, uh, you know, that's, that's how I kind of look at those things now. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And I love the analogy with a small bite. It's like, take your time, right? It's a journey. It's a, enjoy your meal. (laughs) Yeah. Don't shove it all in. And the small bites resonates really well. And I, I love that analogy. Thank you so much. Well, I'm so excited and happy that you joined me today. Like I said, I I was looking forward to this conversation. You know, I think you've done so many interesting and successful pivots in your life and done some really cool stuff and continue to watch on the sidelines on Instagram and other places what you're doing and keep it up. You're doing such a great job and it's really inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, for the listeners, if you liked what you heard today, please share this podcast with your network. This has been Coffee with Convery. And until next time, stay well.